Welcome to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. From September 15th to October 15th, we are honoring Hispanic Heritage Month. Each week, members of our church family will be sharing stories that acknowledge and celebrate Latino and Latina history from their lived experiences to the world at large. Hey friends, Gavin here with Bridgetown Podcast. As you know, we've been doing a series for Hispanic Heritage Month where we're interviewing folks at our church uh, who are Hispanic and we're hearing their stories and leaning into their life experiences as a way of opening ourselves up to the God's greater image for the people of God. Uh, so with that, today I have one of my really good friends and somebody I admire so much and felt super excited to interview. And I think you're gonna love him if you don't already know him. Uh, he has been at Bridgetown for five years now He's been everything from a community leader. He's coached communities. He currently sits on the uh, Racial Justice Committee and also is a Justice and Mercy Deacon. Uh, so he has got, and he's got some things to say. So I'm really excited to have my friend Gabe Flores here. Gabe, can you say hi? Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. Awesome. Thanks for being with us here, Gabe. Uh, let's go ahead and just start out. Just tell us a little bit about you, uh, maybe how you found yourself in Portland and at Bridgetown, some, some background, just, you know, that classic like biographical stuff people read will read on the back of your book. Oh yeah, day. absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's see, my family and I, we moved, uh, coming up in eight years, came up for, uh, for a job. Hmm. Yeah. Like you do, you know, originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, my wife and I just celebrated 11 years. Oh wow. Marriage. Congratulations. I didn't you know? know that. Oh, that's awesome. Two kids. And, uh, yeah, man, just living our best life. That's awesome. So, so tell me maybe about your your more extended family history. Mm -hmm. Like how mm -hmm. did your family find themselves in the States? Yeah. So let's see. We'll date back probably later 1800s. Um, and my family originally is from Jalisco, hmm. uh, the Guadalajara area. And um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different parts of stories coming out of that area and region. My family specifically hmm had um had left mexico originally because of the wars that were just generations of wars after wars and uh it turns out it's difficult to raise family in hmm. a war-ridden land and uh my family would move from claremont uh no uh they would move from jalisco and landed in uh, Claremont, California. And I believe that was about 1920. The dates are a little, the years are a little um, tricky. Um, and yeah, they, uh, they got jobs, they went to the schools and um, yeah, they found themselves in the West Barrio in Claremont, California. Mm. And, and what was from, from, I'm assuming stories you've heard from your family, what was that experience yeah. like for them? Yeah. to be first generation in you know, space. I, I, it, once again, it, just trying to connect the dots here, you know, being a little further on down the road in the timeline, but uh, those stories are pretty well known um, and those details are pretty clear. And uh, I'm fortunate enough, uh, I'm fortunate enough to actually have some interviews that my great, great, uh, my great grandmother gave. Wow. Um, and they sit in this library archive and I've actually heard my great grandmother give her story and talk mm. a little bit about her experience specifically. In fact, if you Google my grandmother, you'll actually find those same stories and you can read them for yourself. Wow. Um, and there's a little bit of history behind all of that. And we'll get to it. But with, with this specifically, um, 
my great grandmother would land at eight years old, I think, and then eventually find themselves in a school. And uh, yeah, my great great grandmother would just pack the lunch like you would and send the kids off to school. And my great great Rosa, I'll just refer to her as Rosa, mm. would go to school and with her siblings with burritos and tacos and everything that you know we know now as beautiful and lovely food that we all crave all the time all the time um but not so much for my for rosa it was actually kind of a sad story where they took something beautiful and made fun of her for it in school a lot of the white kids would just uh make fun of her for bringing burritos and and tacos, she tells a little bit about her story about hiding behind buildings in order to eat her lunch. And when she would show up back in school, they would just basically they'd pick on her, be mean and, you know, pull hair and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that, that was kind of a bummer for sure. Um, and she does mention that pretty specifically. And later, uh, she actually would go on to stay in Claremont. Um, and much later she would get married, have a kid, start her own family. And, uh, it was about that time where, um, the, her children started getting into the classroom themselves and she would see, uh, basically the pattern show up again for her kids mm. and they were being made fun of. And, uh, you know, they were told to speak English and had really no way of learning English, um, and so my great great my well Rosa would go and do something about it, and uh, she began to knock on these doors in the neighborhood, and like um, literal doors, literally knocking on people's doors next to her left and right. She wow. was, and I think in, initially she was just trying to bridge a gap mm. that she saw her children being bullied and picked on, and uh, and and telling her neighbors who were all white this isn't working for us mm. and we need to change some things. And a lot of doors closed uh, on the face and whatnot, but a lot of other doors opened and other women saying, you're right. We do need to change this. Wow. Um, this would lead my grandma to open up a food truck and start making tacos because what they found was no one, it's not that people weren't willing to teach English. It's that they didn't have the resources to actually fund mm. English teachers. And so they would take the money that they made from the taco truck and pay the ESL teachers to teach English to the kids that wow. needed to learn or had a desire to learn English, bridge that language gap. And so that was my, my uh, that was Rosa's kind of story here. Um, she would also actually go on to be known as someone who was a resource for just doing good work. Um, people were just flocking to her to get um, all of that, <laughs> People were, people were flocking to my grandmother, asking her to um, help with their community need. There was other people within the community that needed help. And so what ended up happening was that food truck became like this source for the community mm. to fund the broken areas of the neighborhood and communities. Wow. Um, so a little bit further on, I, this, is, this is a beautiful story. I love telling the story. I love that I come from this, this history, but- she would go on to be memorialized in Claremont, California. They named a park after her wow. um, because of the good work she did in the community. And it's Rosa Torres Park. Like I said, you could Google this whole story. You can go and find out for yourself. It's beautiful. I'm obviously biased, but I, <laughs> love, I love reading that. You know, I love that there was a point in time where a rhetoric was coming full of um, 
Well, absolute lies, at at the very least, unhelpful speech given to people coming from a broken, war-ridden land into a new state, a foreign world, being told very unhelpful things. And my great-grandmother takes it upon herself to say, I need to do something about this. Hmm. I need, I, we we got to change this. Yeah. And obviously she went where, where, you know, to knock on doors. And mm. I just think, yeah, the metaphors are endless. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love what you're saying because, you know, we would look back, if you, you know, you read a Wikipedia article, you'd hear things like advocate and community organizer mm-hmm. and hero right. and all of those things were true. Right. But Rosa was trying to stay alive. Yeah. She was trying to build a better future for her children right. and her grandchildren than the one that she had. And right. so I think that uh, you've done a really beautiful job of like humanizing that part of it where she was she was doing the next right thing in front of mm-hmm. her. And I just think mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. So so then with that, um, to kind of go in that direction and change it a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, if I'm doing math right, you're fourth generation. Fourth gen. yep. uh, tell me about what that's been like. How, yeah. Well, how, yeah. back a little bit about this story, how it ends is my, so my Rosa's mom, my great, great grandmother, um, refused to speak English. She said, I'm not speaking that language. But my um, great uncles and my great grandmother, we need, they needed the language in order to sort of survive in that world, or yeah. at least that's what they were, in, that was the world informed around them. And so um, fast forward to ours and turn my great, yeah, so Rosa refused to speak Spanish to her kids. Wow. Um, and that, that was a trend and still was and set the tone for our family. So currently we, we make the foods where there's the culture of the deep, uh, familia, you know, mi casa, su casa, warm family culture is mm. abundant in our home, but the languages is completely gone. And so it's just interesting to see how that one minor decision had these major ramifications. So the language was lost mm. um, amongst the people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. for Thanks for sharing that. Um, w- with that, then I'm thinking about your journey to Bridgetown. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I don't know anything about Albuquerque, yeah. but I imagine only because Portland's one of the widest cities in America, it's not as white as right. Portland. Right. <laughs> uh, so what has that journey been like for you and Tiffany mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and your kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, Assimilation is is strong hmm. in just in general, because I think for me that just sense and need and desire would uh, just sort of flare up to want to feel be- I want to belong. Hmm. And be- behind all that is this sense uh, even more so that I want to be accepted. And behind that's even maybe it's not acceptance or belonging. Maybe it's actually my fear of rejection that's at play. Mm. And so I think um, quite easily I could, you know, find myself hidden in a closet, never engaging with society, never engaging with people. Um, Or it was, in my opinion, the what I ended up choosing to do was, was look this sort of thing in the eye. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Mm. There was a lot of language I didn't have along the way in the journey um but allowing it to sort of take shape as i was in process was one of the most tricky and still very much so in process but specifically regarding my racial identity and my ethnicity the story behind the 
the the narrative of of just family and how we got here and how it shapes us today um, was full of nuance, mm. full of broken fleshly desires that needed to be weeded out. And uh, it turns out that you know you stay with it, you know, long enough. I think it's uh, now. And he 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 says in the, in the name of Jesus, reflection on Jesus leadership. It's he he takes a. a takes John 21 and he kind of speaks to it a little bit. And he talks a little bit about how when you were younger, you know, when Jesus replies to Peter, after Jesus goes and has this exchange with Peter, he's like, do you love me? Mm. And Peter's like, yeah, I'll feed my lambs, right? And now and speaks to that a little bit. He takes John 21 and he he says, when you were younger, you you dress yourself. But as you aged, uh, as you age, you, 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 you will be led by someone else. And then it goes on to say, to places you may not want to go. And specifically the scriptures getting at Peter's, uh, what we would come to find where he, where he would end up, right? But for us, for me, I thought, holy smoke, like maybe I need to go there. Maybe there's someone that needs to lead me there. I naturally felt like I don't want to go there. Hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to try to even begin to reconcile what it looked like for my great grandmother and her family to find themselves in a war in the land to find them. And then here all of a sudden trying to make sense of things, let alone what that means for me when my kids go to school and their last name is Flores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just represents all sorts of different things. Uh, I mean, I think um, in hindsight, obviously, uh, it was a challenge, but it's not a journey that I regret taking at all in the slightest. Mm, yeah, it's beautiful. Like specifically around the emotional and mental like exertion required to actually do the work behind that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's great. Thank you. And before we started recording, <laughs> uh, you were talking about one of the major cultural differences you've come a- a- against based mm-hmm. in family of mm-hmm. origin and then coming to uh, Bridgetown, which is in a big city and big cities value education. And as a church in general, mm-hmm. we kind of lean more to the Western uh, realm of yeah. things. And that's been a cultural shift for you. So maybe yeah. if you don't mind, speak maybe some to that. Yeah, I think, I think I, I've tried on multiple hats. And I think that one of those hats is you could play the everyone is racist card. Mm-hmm. And I think I tried that. And it turns out for me, it didn't work. It didn't, I, meaning... If Jesus' ideal for my life was to grow me into a person whose motives are loving, um, that narrative going in turns out like is is not is not going to work. Hmm. And so I, but I did. I walked around with everyone is racist um, outside of my personal friend group, and even within my personal friend group. And I think it, I just didn't like the person it made me. If I'm honest. <laughs> And uh, not proud of it at all in the slightest. In fact, one small short story, I promise I'll try to keep it very short, but um, I had an exchange with a gentleman that I felt this need to go up to and apologize. And he had never met me. I just saw him at a distance. He was just the, about as, you know, he's a white dude. <laughs> and uh, I just, can, I, ha- I held him in contempt and we barely knew each other's name. We mm. basically in passing would say hi. And once again, I think at the very or maybe not even once again, but just 
just for the first time, like at the, at the, at the core of, of someone who calls himself a follower of Jesus, we're here to confront the sin. We're here to name that sin and confront that and practice general confession or forgiveness. And how do we close that gap between the separation between us and God and us and people? And sometimes it's confessing where we were wrong, even if that other person has no clue. So I walk up to this dude and I tell him, hey, you know what? I owe you an apology because I have accused you of being racist and I've held you in contempt um, for things that you could be guilty of, but there's a chance that you couldn't be either. And the story sort of unfolds and he he owns some of it. Wow. He actually says, um, you're not all wrong. And obviously I'm sparing you the details, but basically I told him, I felt like, because of your white masculinity, you're a man, you're blonde, you're blue-eyed, you have these characteristics that of what I was told, basically the Kendall, right, syndrome. Mm-hmm. You have that look. And so you must be this. Walking up to him and telling him I was wrong for holding you into that place as a brother. Um, and he said, actually, you know, if I'm honest, I, I was wrong too. And my heart for relating to anyone outside of my, you know, proximity slash ethnicity limited. And I need to apologize to you because there's this idea associated with your color skin, your people group, your, the Mexicans that I work with on a daily, um, and let alone the Latino, the entire really country of South America. I was unwilling to approach that. And so to answer your question, I think that we have to be willing to go to places that no one's, no one's really willing to go to or a little more uncomfortable to go to by, and I mean that by within ourselves. And I kind of reference this with being led into places um, by someone else. There's two things at play. One, we're being led. Jesus is our shepherd and he's leading us into this place. Hmm. But then it's also, for I will take you into where you don't want to go, right? And this was that place for me. Was th- That was one of the many situations that I found myself like, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to confront this within myself and um, work through this. Um, Man, and that's, that's why, that's one of the things that I love the most about you and why you are a father in our house is because you're not the person who, uh, go second. You're, you're the person who wants to go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's the way that you lead in who you are mm-hmm. that makes you worth following. And mm-hmm. that's just like one of the most compelling and most Jesus-like things about you. It's why I was pumped about this interview. Yeah, and any, thank you. Anytime I get to- Yeah, thank you. I yeah. think I think you kind of mentioned it too with, um, we, we discussed a little bit before our mm-hmm. chat here, but how do I hold- mm-hmm the heritage and basically the, the baton that's been handed yeah. off to me. Cause it's huge. I mean, you got from a, Rosa, a park, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, she's memorialized. Great. <laughs> well, what, what does that, that mean for you? And I can't tell you that the gift of just being at a church that is assigned value to this conversation. Mm. Mo- I mean, it's a, it, perhaps inside a critique a little bit, but churches are more likely to fund a gym in the West than a justice center. Wow. And I'm just saying like, what a gift it is. Now I'm not, I, I have to be honest, like 
the the heritage, the baton, the question around all of that. It's more like Thor's hammer. Some days I could pick that sucker up. Yeah. <laughs> and some days I have no business near that hammer. Like, because the weight of glory, she she would bring all this freedom, right? We could mm. tease it out all mm-hmm. day long about this woman doing all this work just to survive. She's getting she's being a mother, she's showing up for her kids. We can make it about so many other things. But here to show up in a house that has assigned value to these conversations to actually doing something here during the months, September 15th through October 15th, just mm. to, yes, celebrate. And ultimately we wanna be a family who, who celebrates appropriately, but the, the piece that's missed for so many, in my opinion, generations is the family that can grieve appropriately with that pain and sitting wow. in that space with people whose stories aren't like our stories mm. or not any story really. Really, at the end of the day, the, 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 the thing we're qualified to speak to most is our story. Hmm. It turns out it's kind of tricky to judge someone when after you have heard their story. Hmm. And we have a house here at Bridgetown, and not just within Bridgetown, this group of people who just continue to show faithfully and consistently, trying to, we don't have all the answers, it's obvious. But at the same time, there's this intentionality behind this conversation. And we're just looking, Jesus, you know, this journey, that's what it represents is we find and see that light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes there's this glimmer and then there's these setbacks, but that's the journey that we're on together. And we choose to make those strides one in in hand in hand with both each other and with God. And and so I kind of got away from your question earlier about how my experience in Bridgetown was, but like I said, I shared that story because it was with the gentleman at Bridgetown. And if I could speak to anything like regarding our home at Bridgetown, that was a few years back. Some When it was really hard for me, I was trying everything, including going up to random people and saying, hey man, I thought you were racist for a long time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> It was so like, the insecurities were real. The imposter syndrome all in tandem, like it felt like this compounding effect, let alone like I wasn't given this emotional, like emotionally healthy spirituality, like anything, had no understanding whatsoever. And so a lot of other stuff was compounding over the time. It was just all there at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, 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 to now, if you fast forward, we have these things that are sort of like taking shape. We have like these values um, with like racial justice committee and justice in and mercy and reconciliation, like the inclusiveness idea, mutual learning and to embrace one another, faithfulness, togetherness. These are, these are just. Um, so Gabe, I know we've talked about this a decent amount and we talked about it before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a really strong heart and vision. It's part of why you're a deacon, part of why you're on the racial justice committee, mm-hmm. a really strong heart about the future of Bridgetown in Portland. And it mm-hmm. has to do with the kingship of Jesus, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Uh, speak to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. You know, I think there were so many things that were inside me, thoughts, belief systems that led to, you know, my actions um, that were no longer working. I just had to get honest. Um, but then when even I tried to be honest, you know, it was such a superficial sense of just me, life, the world. I just didn't know how actually what it looked like to get honest, be honest. And so, um, it wasn't until I began leaking onto others in ways that mm. I'm not proud of that, you know, I've made mistakes. I've had things that have happened that have shaped me. Yes, but they've been, they were flat out mistakes, but they were from a, a series of lies that I lived out. 
um, given to me from inheritance and age, you know, whatever the case is there. Um, and I think that I was finally able to lay down that rhetoric, that narrative and pick up Jesus vision for kingdom. Wow. The king, like his ideal for us moving through this life, right. Is to grow us into people whose motives are loving man and and turns out a lot of those narratives are not very loving the things that i had but ultimately it started not working it didn't it wasn't penciling out and so picking up what i feel now strongly passionate about and obviously i err on the side of sensitivity but we got to find a way to attach ourselves to jesus vision for justice reconciliation mercy um all things mm. because what I found was like, and what I'm still learning is that this Good Friday world we're in will be, will resurrection will follow this mm. Good Friday world. That includes now, here and now, and then the not yet peace. So here and now, if Jesus's vision, Jesus was right and truth telling when he said, you can have life to the full here and now, then that means something was off. Mm. Um. And so just, just like simply acknowledging on a regular basis that I am being led into a place potentially that I don't want to go, but I am being led mm. and Jesus is King. And I will sit at the feet of my rabbi learning how to live in this life regarding everything, mm. everything, including my racial identity, my ethnicity, my history, my both inheritance, the blessing, the curse that is my family's history, like yours, we all show up and have that inheritance it's not all good but it's not all bad there's beautiful pieces that get to stay with us mm. that get to stay there with us and that's a gift mm. it's beautiful yeah and i love what you're saying because oftentimes we can get comfortable with the idea of jesus as friend but there's something that happens when we change our perspective and he becomes king we're forced to lay things down mm. that made us comfortable. Mm -hmm. And what we were just talking about offline is the idea of like, when we say at Bridgetown, practicing the way of Jesus together in Portland, right. why? Because he's king. Yes. And what happens when you are with Jesus, mm -hmm. you acknowledge him mm -hmm. as king. You mm -hmm. can't not see his right. kingship right. and bow down before it. Right. So. Right. And the society around us would tell us, this is the self-help world. Yeah. But the biggest lie in the self-help world is that we're in charge. Mm. We actually have control of our life and that's not true. It's not the case. Mm. And when we acknowledge on a regular that Jesus is King, then we acknowledge that he sits on a throne of justice, mm. of righteousness. Mm. And we get to be a part of that, mm. letting that seep into every fiber of our being. Mm. And that is good news. That's good news regarding the brokenness in our stories, our histories, our family stories and histories, our church, our cities, our the, the, the not so pleasant moment, Portland and many big cities aren't having, there's still an active story of renewal taking place and we get to partake in that beauty. Mm. And so- Woo, let's go. I'm yeah, ready for the you know? keys to start going and it's response time. You Come know on what, down front, y'all. You know what? This guy's, this guy's going. Um, Okay, so then to close, Gabe, would you, uh, I, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like one of the, uh, an appropriate way perhaps to um, 
close this again. I've already said you're yeah. such a father in our house. Mm. I think you're an, you're an mm. older brother to mm. people. So what would you say as an older brother to mm. other uh, folks of color mm. working through this idea of mm. being in a predominantly white space, mm-hmm. but it's multicultural mm-hmm. growing and they're working through issues of identity and culture and uh, racial and ethnic mm-hmm. identity. What, what advice do you have mm-hmm. for them? What would you say to them? Yeah, to make space for failure, setbacks, normalize that normalize that immediately get get around your people find people don't stop striding in the direction of people Mm. um devil's ideal for our life is to separate us both from god and from people and in the process deforming us into people of hate not love and lying by lying to us um speaking his native language um so get around people choose to be honest even when you've been hurt even when it hurts Name when it's sharing for the sake of education and sharing for the sake of healing Mm. and find your people who you can share your story with for the sake of healing. Don't stop looking for that. Um, Make, make it a point to be intentional around this. Don't, don't suppress it. Even when it feels overwhelming, even when a setback comes, I had a friend reach out to me who told me during the black lives matter movement and, even now, still carrying this sense of, 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 of nothingness, he called it. Hmm. But he doesn't belong anywhere. Um, because the Hispanics haven't been given their own moment. Hmm. So they don't know how to respond when Black Lives Matter shows up. It's like, I'm not black. And people, and the AI, AAPI shows up that moment, right? The stop Asian hate. There's still the, the, this, the underlying sense of Hispanic people are like, what do I do here? Hmm. How do I respond? And to, if you were my friend, he would say, what about us? That's what he would say. Mm. That's what he tells me. And we're, the reality is that feeling, that sense, many people might feel that. And we just want to normalize that. Mm. We feel that we get it. And to keep working through that requires that sense of, of, of intentionality, but stronger sometimes it's like that hammer Thor, the Thor mm-hmm. hammer ideal, right? It's like that same concept. It's some days don't pick this up. Mm. Some days give yourself the rest to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm not touching that today. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to go near it and not because, but it's a chosen decision to say, I'm not going to, to do that today. I'm not going to pick up that. I'm not going to work in that space today. I'm going to find rest in who God's already called me to be and who he already says I am in this moment, life to the full peace to find me before I do the work, Mm. the peace that finds me before I do the work and not the other way around where we work, work, work in hopes for peace. No, it's peace now, work later. Mm. Man, there's such space given in, in that ideal for, like you said, somebody to be on their journey. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have it figured mm-hmm. out yet. And and that's okay. Yeah. As, Throw easy yeah. out. Yeah. Throw out the timeline. Stop yes. doing that to yourself. Just show up. And just continue to show up. Mm. Be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Get prayer when mm. you need prayer and pray for others. Mm. Man. Gabe, this has been so good. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna need a part two. Yeah, I feel like we should apologize for the guys recording over there now. Yeah, sorry, shoot, we can keep going. <laughs> I tell you, me and Gavin, the book ideas come out in minute forty five. So. I'm telling you, that's why I started out by saying, "Tell us the audio, like the back of your <laughs> back cover of your book." You know, oh man, totally. Uh, well, Bridgetown, we're really grateful for Gabe. If you don't know him, 
you know a little bit about him now um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to speak on your behalf, Gabe. Please, do <laughs> And it. say now this do is it. your permission to come up and say hi. Yes, please. Uh, please and do so. At, at the very least, uh, to thank him for all that he shared in this space and all the way that the ways that he has been leading Bridgetown and um, same is true of his wife, Tiffany, in, in these spaces. It's just so, so beautiful. So Bridgetown, I want to remind you uh, that we're on this journey, not because it's a cool political topic, not because it's a current moment, but because differences in culture and differences in identity was God's design. That what we read in Revelation is that every tribe, tongue, and nation mm, will be yes. bowed before the Father. Yes. And that's not on accident. It's not one culture. It's not one language. It's multiplicity. It's diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's on purpose. And that's because God is too big to be defined by one culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so would you continue to join us on yes. this journey? We are after what God is after in our church, which is a multi-ethnic mm-hmm. expression of the kingdom of God yes. in one of the widest cities in our nation. Sure. And we believe God has it for us. So yes. Gabe, thank you so much for being with oh, us it was today. A joy. Um, you're such a gift to our church. Mm-hmm. Um, thank and I am so grateful for the chance to get to share a little bit about you with the rest of the church. Yes. So thank you. Friends, thanks. Thank Gabe uh, when you see him next. Uh, all right, Bridgetown, that's it Cheers. for us for today. Yes. We'll uh, see you guys later. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Hispanic heritage, Oregon's racist past, and Bridgetown's vision for the future, visit bridgetown.church justice.